Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Ranch Show on AM 770 KTTH, streaming live on all those smart speakers like Amazon Echo and Google Home. So a man brings his car into the shop, and what ended up happening will blow your mind. And that is What's Trending. What's Trending on the road. So a guy named Mason Berger. He took his BMW to get some repairs at a shop called The Wrench out in Silverdale. And he told Fox 13 that when he got his BMW back, something's off. Stereo's not working. What gives? I don't recall there ever being a problem with the stereo. What's going on? So he goes back to The Wrench to get some answers. What's going on here, dude? I added the dude. I don't know if he said dude. But when he was there, as he was going over this new problem, he noticed something that was kind of odd. Another phone was connected to the Bluetooth on his radio. It wasn't his phone. And he knew because all of our phones have certain names. The devices have names. He's like, what is this? And I'm not entirely sure why the next thing he did was look at the dash cam camera footage from his car. Maybe something was just like, why don't you check it out? Maybe you'll be able to find something. Because to me, it seems kind of random to check the dash cam video when your stereo doesn't work. But he's obviously glad that he checked. That's when I saw about 11 videos of him driving erratically, playing his music full blast. Um, There's three videos where he went over 100 miles an hour, topping out at 113. Uh, He runs a red light in a video, and in one of them, he gets out, and you can see his face clearly. Okay. Oops. I don't think they're supposed to do that. I could be wrong. I've never worked at a mechanic shop. I, I do know that sometimes they do have to drive the car around to make sure that it's safe. I'm, I'm guessing the 113 and then running a red light, blasting the music at the top of whatever the, the capability was of your speakers, it's, it's frowned upon. Let's just say that. Stress right. test. Yeah, well, that's a fair point. That would be my defense. So the original repairs were about $2,500. But now he's all like, I got to spend $850 more to fix this stereo. It's kind of like a violation. Like I I had trusted you to to repair my car and then you treat me like this. So he showed the owner of the wrench the videos. And he said the owner would compensate him for any damage. However, it's been a battle ever since to get to hear back from him. It's it's been uh, about two weeks now since he said he'd pay me back. Now, here's where the story takes yet another turn. And oddly enough, I find this part to be the most fascinating. The way the wrench responded when asked about it from Fox 13. They, on the one hand, acknowledged what happened. But on the other hand, they had the audacity to accuse this guy of extortion. They left a long statement, and I want to read from it. Because there's a lot of attitude in it, which I do kind of like, if I'm being honest. Kind of reads like something I might write. You have asked that our company respond to an allegation that an employee essentially took a customer's car for a quote-unquote joyride. 
Unfortunately, the allegation is quite true. The employee was tasked with test driving the vehicle after an engine repair. Apparently, the employee reached some pretty significant speeds on the highway, somewhere over 100 miles per hour during the test drive. To say that we're aggravated does not in any, I'm assuming any way they missed the way, describe the four-letter language used when confronting the employee about what happened. On this note, we join the customer in his outrage and have addressed this issue with the employee. But that is not the end of the story. By the way, I don't need you to join me in my outrage if I'm the customer here. I just need you to compensate me for what happened. That's all. Now, the statement gets into what is so audacious. Opportunism frequently knocks after an event like this. How many times has this happened to you guys? Does this happen often that opportunism knocks after this happens? The customer wants a refund for the work done on his vehicle, although the work was completed and done well. That's not the point. That's not the point. You see, part of doing the work that you did did not include speeding around several times over 100 miles per hour, blasting the music, running red light. Like, that's not part of the deal. And if you want to add that as added value, it's not going to work for me. Of course he's owed a full refund for what happened. 100%. You violated the trust that you had with this customer. You broke the law or the individual broke the law if what's on the video hasn't been doctored. So, of course, you give a full refund. It's like at a restaurant when you get your meal Everything's good. You eat it. It's great. You get dessert. It's amazing. Then you get a cup of coffee at the end, and there's like a hair in it. And they go, I am so, we will comp this meal for you. We will get it all. The higher end, the good places, the smart places, comp the entire meal. The cheapy ones or ones run by people who don't have much experience will go, I'll give you a free cup of coffee. No, you're supposed to comp the entire meal because you clearly did something wrong. Even if it was unintentional in the case of a hair. In a cup of coffee? Not in this case. This was obviously intentional. Now, the statement continues. He also, speaking of the customer, he also claims that an amp was, quote-unquote, blown during the driving episode and that other stereo parts should be replaced. Today, he threatened to go to the media if we did not give him his money. Yeah, so that's not extortion. That is trying to put pressure on you to do the right thing. He's not asking you to break the law he's not breaking the law in what he's doing by telling the press of course he should i would have come on this radio show and talked about it he didn't do it immediately sounds like he gave you a couple weeks and you haven't been getting back to him now that's what he says but if i'm that person let's say two weeks goes by you promise me 25 or i'm demanding 2500 dollars or 850 whatever it is for the for the stereo and for, you know, compensation for the rest, and you don't get back to me, and I'm calling and I'm emailing, doing whatever it is you need to do, and I don't hear back, yeah, I'm going to go to that next that extra step. That's not extortion. That's a smart move. 
Take note of that, by the way, people at home. If this happens, you reach out to me. Don't reach out to Fox 13. Reach out to me. Yeah. Well, I, and this is so dumb for the, the wrench, the business. It's because this guy went, you know, he went to AJ Janavel. There's all this negative press around your business and you're taking a much bigger loss than $2,500. Probably people are going to see this story and go to a different auto shop. 100%. That's the part that I just don't understand. I would never go to this place based on this story. Now, could that have changed if afterwards they said, we're doing the right thing here? It 100% happened. We saw the video, too. We addressed this. We canned the guy, whatever it is, and we're, we're comping this. This is not the way we treat people. This is not how we expect people to be treated. I'm, I'm ashamed by this. I'm disgusted. Okay. I give that person another shot. Yeah, that's obviously a good angle they could take. It maybe maybe the wrench from their perspective, maybe they've had people come back to them before and say, This work wasn't satisfactory, blah, 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 blah. Give me all my money. But I it seems like they've probably experienced that, but this is a much different scenario. They continue by saying, We're attempting to find out from car toys, a vendor the customer went to after picking up his car at our shop, a business I thought actually went out of business several years ago, whether an amp was blown during the Joyride episode. He puts blown and Joyride in air quotes again, or in quotes. A car toy, car toys employee who did not do the work indicated the customer told them that this amp was not a significant enough size to power his subwoofer and that a larger amp was required to do so. The customer apparently said nothing to them about the blaring music causing a shutdown of his amp. So just real quickly, um, it worked up until the point that your employee blared the music. I'm putting this on you. And I don't even care if he didn't have the right amp. Sorry, it was working beforehand. The guy clearly, according to the video, according to the allegations, did the wrong thing. You seem to acknowledge in your statement that it's true. <laughs> that That's on you. The customer has also demanded we pay for parts so that his amp can be connected to his radio. We do not understand at all the basis for this request either. Although we are in a compromising position here on this situation, we are at the wrench have we at the wrench have very thick skin. You don't seem like it. We won't be extorted for anything, but we will continue to do our best to continue to provide good service for our customers. Continue to provide. <laughs> this is not good. None of this story was was properly handled by the wrench. None of it. Absolutely none. And while I can certainly understand what it might feel like that someone's going to the media to out what happened and you don't want that to happen, maybe there's a little bit of a panic that goes on. Certainly you get a little anxious, you're uncomfortable, you don't want this kind of attention. This is the worst possible way to respond. Extortion, really? We're going to go with extortion? It would be one thing if he said, I want a new car. And, you know, for my trouble, I want $10,000. In unmarked bills, you leave it over there. Let's do the drop by my favorite bench in the park. Okay, fine. I'll go with you on extortion. This is not extortion. No. Well, I, I don't think an auto shop owner or whatever ha has the most experience in, in PR. So You have experience in customer service. Yes. Well, yeah, they're botching that. But, yeah, the, this statement seems very panicked. My God, extortion. It's a one-page long statement, which is never good. The less you say, the better. Just apologize Give the dude his money back and move on. This is outrageous. <laughs> Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? You can't make this up. 
TikTok has a new disturbing trend called the egg crack, which has parents assaulting their kids by cracking an egg on their head, on the uh, the kid's head, while cooking or baking or doing whatever it is they're doing. And the kids don't see it coming because what dummy (laughs) breaks an egg on your forehead or head? And every single time it happens, for the most part, the kid's face turns from shock to anger. Then they start crying. Like, why would you do that? Why would you hit me? Why? Ow! It hurts! That was so funny. is wrong with people and i first of all some might say well that's ironic for you to say don't you talk about how much you love the instagram video showing kids getting hurt yes they're not my kids it's not my kid and it would be different if the parents in those videos put the kid in a position to get hurt these are mistakes that happen that they happen to capture on video and then they post online and all the kids are fine You are going out of your way in this egg challenge to hurt your kid. And I saw some people trying to defend this. It doesn't even hurt. Really? Because I'm told that if you take the oval curve part of the egg on both sides and you try to squeeze it, you can't even crack it. It's impossible. Because it's built that way. Is there an any, egg hurts. Is there any eggs in there? I know Brian's suits sometimes leaves yeah, in the studio. Bring, he didn't bring any today. That would have been fun for this demonstration. Are we supposed to pretend this doesn't hurt? I would think it hurts. doesn't hurt just even Especially a little Especially like bit. a little kid head. And the funny thing is sometimes kids will fall and it clearly doesn't hurt, but they'll cry anyway. Right? <laughs> like we've all seen that. It's like, why are you crying, dummy? You, you fell in sand. <laughs> That's a way. It doesn't hurt. You know you're fine. Why would you put your kid through that and then film it and then post it online? They For don't eleven the views faces. on TikTok, it's insane. So there's some critic named Sarah Adams, and I don't know if she's a critic or just some random Twitter person that was quoted in this story. But she said, "When I see those videos, I think, are we that bored as parents and desperate for content?" Are we needing to post on the internet so bad because it's so consuming to be part of our own world? And the dopamine hit, the likes, the views that we now in 2023 are cracking eggs on our children's heads in hopes that they have an entertaining reaction that we can post publicly online to entertain strangers. A hundred percent. We already know that social media plays into our inner narcissist, right? I mean, It's all about you, 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 for the most part, especially the people who are hardcore posters on, you know, TikTok, Instagram, whatever it is. It's just about how amazing their lives are normally. This is this is twisted and weird. And yeah, it's abusive. Sorry. Sorry. Maybe that goes too far for some people. This seems abusive, not to the point where we're going to take the kid away. Well, I mean, if it was an ostrich egg, because those are really big, that would be that would be I would. Pull the kid from the home. You wouldn't crack an ostrich egg on Duncan's head? Duncan's not my kid. Okay, fair. I'm saying it's okay to assault other people's kids. Or, no, that's not right. 
Yeah, I'm not going to say. You're on the just saying, back. <laughs> this, this is wrong. Can we all just get on the same page there? And I, I hope this is one of those silly trends that just goes away. I, I, I want to return to the good old days of cooking chicken in Benadryl, which was another was NyQuil, not NyQuil, Benadryl. whatever it was. Well, Benadryl's also a, bev- a liquid form. No, it's not. Is there is it, liquid Benadryl? I've only is seen the not? pills. Well, NyQuil. Yeah. That was like, funny. Oh, it tastes so weird. Yeah, it tastes weird. Stupid. <laughs> what do you think it's going to taste like? And by the way, what dummy thought of that? How did that come to their, their minds? Let me try this. I don't know. Maybe they had a cold and they were hungry and they just wanted to skip oh, a step. My God. Push the button. What's trending? The environment. Everything can't be assigned to climate change when something in the environment shifts, whenever there's a quote-unquote weather event. We can't constantly say everything is climate change because if everything is climate change, then nothing is climate change. The same way if everything is racist, then nothing is racist. And what we have over and over and over again, politicians on the left complaining about climate change when there's a storm. Now, we were told that it was Armageddon over the weekend in Los Angeles, getting hit with a hurricane for the first time since 1930-something. And to folks on the left, this was proof of climate change. Things are changing. Your argument is that something that's only happened two times in the last 100 years, that's climate change. More than 100 years. That's climate change. Apparently. Okay. Does that is that a good argument? Mm, I don't know. Now, if they had hurricane after hurricane after hurricane after hurricane in the summer in L.A., okay, I'll entertain that. And you're probably right in some way. But this isn't it. And then, of course, they turn to the fires in Maui. Climate change. Climate change. It made the, the fires worse. Really? Not the invasive plants that we know to be dry? Because it's summer and we knew that there was a windstorm and there was a red flag alert set up. I think, what was it, a day beforehand? And no one did anything about it and then withheld water for five hours reportedly over equity concerns, which allowed the fire to spread out of control. That had nothing to do with it. It was just climate change. Oh, okay. So Karen Bass, the mayor of L.A., which, by the way, did not get hit with a hurricane. (laughs) Everyone relax. It rained hard. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. It rained. Things are looking much better. You know, we prepared early. We were all in place. And so we were able to weather this. Did she just say weather this? She did. Oh, my God. And just like the last reporter said, I know in other cities this might look like a trivial amount of rain. It is. But just think, we are not used to rain in oh. the summertime. Oh, no. And also there's oh many. Gosh. Just real quickly, are you used to rain other times, if the answer is yes, then you can. You know what you did during the winter when it rained, or the fall. You know what you know what you did then. Remember? Yeah, do it now. That that's it. Why is it we're just we're not used to the rain in the summer? Okay, you got one storm in the summer. What what's what's different? And it was in fact a trivial amount. I'm from Los Angeles. What we saw wasn't even the worst that I've experienced, and I've experienced worse back. At a point where we didn't label everything climate change. Homeowners 
who have not recovered from the rains in January. There's still plastic tarps on hillside communities. So this really was a big event in Los Angeles, a historic event. It's, it's historic. My God, historic. Then you've got Penn Center science director Michael Mann over at MSNBC making everything about climate change. The governor laid it out actually pretty clearly. Um, you know, this is climate change. We're seeing it now in all of its forms in, you know, the wildfires in Canada, what happened in Maui, uh, the flooding rains that we're now seeing in California. Oh, um, you yeah. see greater extremes at both ends of the spectrum. What about the times when you don't see any extremes? In fact, it's quite weak. No one points that out as evidence that climate change is is false. And yet when something is a little bit stronger than you thought it would be or pretend that it's stronger than you thought it would be, it's clear evidence of climate change. You can't have it both ways. Now, obviously, just because something is mild doesn't mean climate change doesn't exist. And just because something is strong also doesn't mean climate change doesn't exist. At some point, because I... I don't want to get yelled at by Cliff Mass again. Climate change is a thing. The climate changes. And of course, man has some impact on it. The level, I don't know. But it obviously has some impact. Because that's how climate works. But whenever there is anything that happens, if you truly believe in climate change to the point where you want to see some policy reform, you want to see energy policy go down a different direct whatever it is you are doing yourself a disservice when you call everything climate change people aren't going to take you seriously and frankly they shouldn't you're listening to the jason ranch show The Jason Rant Show. Here to react, Seattle Talk Radio host Jason Rant. And the rise of soft on crime laws and policies have made it worse. Our man in the Pacific Northwest, Jason Rance, is on that. And you keep on bringing her these extraordinary stories from Seattle. It's amazing. Long form. Well, over the weekend, we saw yet another mass shooting in Seattle. This a reported result of some kind of gang issue, an altercation that led to the deaths of three people, six people shot and hospitalized. According to some sources, folks are not cooperating with police, which further suggests that this was, in fact, gang-related. And rather than come up with a plan or even address the fact that we have a gang violence problem, Mayor Bruce Harrell goes after guns. He always goes after guns. He's got statement after statement after statement that's pre-written going after guns. You just fill in the new crime that was committed. And, of course, one thing that he's been going after for a very long time are this is the state's preemption law, which basically says, yeah, individual cities, you can't come up with your own gun control laws on your own. It can only come from the state. He wants to get rid of that, which is a lazy response. Joining me to respond is Alan Gottlieb. He's the founder and executive vice president of the Second Amendment Foundation. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Jason. Appreciate being with you and your listeners. The basic premise behind why we wouldn't want to get rid of the preemption laws is pretty simple to understand. If you're a gun owner and you're going from Bellevue to Seattle, you might end up having to abide by completely different gun regulations, which is obviously onerous and not in the spirit of our Second Amendment rights. Correct. You know, almost every state in the country has a preemption statute that guarantees 
uniform gun control laws across the state so that people know while they're driving that's the same law, you know, when they, when they cross the city line from the city they left. And it makes perfect sense, except if you're, you know, a, a gun confiscation proponent exactly. and you want to basically entrap people in the state not knowing what a local law might be because you don't necessarily live in that town. Seattle City Council Member Tammy Morales has been one of the leading voices going after police. We obviously have a police staffing crisis. We've lost about 600 officers since the Black Lives Matter riots and rallies. And I I want you to listen to a clip of an interview she gave to Como TV because people are rightly pointing out, don't we need more cops to go after this crisis? We can't have an officer in every hookah lounge. We need to focus on responsible behavior. We can't have an officer in every situation to prevent gun violence. Uh, what we can do is work to reduce the guns that we have on the street. So I guess I guess social workers will go around confiscating guns. She doesn't tell us how to, quote unquote, get guns off the streets. Presumably you would need police for that. But that's a common reaction. That's a common talking point that, that you've heard for decades, Alan. What's your response? Well, what I really find interesting is, is that when you don't fund the police, and you demonize the police, and make it you know harder for them to do the job to keep us all safe. The average person you know out there says, "Well, if I don't have a police protecting me, I'm going to go out and buy a gun." Exactly. So these same these same politicians that quote unquote rail against guns are actually probably the best gun salesmen around. Short of gun confiscation, which is just not possible, they they wouldn't be able to do it. What laws, if any, have you heard being proposed by folks? like Bruce Harrell or Tammy Morales that would, quote-unquote, get the guns off the streets. What what did we miss here that could have prevented a gang-related shooting? Well, of course, what they've tried to do is pass gun taxes to make guns and ammunition more expensive. Uh, and as a result, you know, people don't buy guns and ammunition in Seattle, so it drove the gun dealers out of Seattle. Uh, and the tax was going to get in, go to you know, gun-related violence programs, which there's no tax to go to because the numbers aren't there since nobody buys guns and ammunition in Seattle since there aren't very many places to buy guns and ammunition. Uh, and, and now they're coming up with new strategies like you know, mandating all kinds of gun insurance. If you're a gun owner, you have to have to be able to own the gun. Uh, and if you can't find a, a, you know, a company to write that kind of policy, and right now the companies don't write that kind of policy that they want, well, then you can't own the gun. So while they don't say you know, we're going to confiscate it or ban guns, mm-hmm. they're basically passing laws that make it illegal for you to have a gun. Any kind of way they can throw up a roadblock to firearms ownership, they seem to be very creative at doing. Well, they do it to people like you and I. It, we're law-abiding gun owners. We don't break the law when it comes to our guns. We're responsible. We're safe. And we're the ones who will always follow the various laws. And yet – they seem to do nothing when it comes to the very people who are responsible for the gun violence. Yeah, that's what's really appalling. And that's why, of course, violent crime in Seattle is off the charts right now. And it's also why they can't even recruit people to be police officers in Seattle because they get no support from you know the city council or the mayor. Uh, you know, they're, 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 it's rather than attacking the people who commit the crimes and putting all your, you know, your efforts and, and resources into fighting a very small number of people that create havoc for the rest of us, 
They'd rather go after all the law-abiding gun owners and spend their time, effort, and money attacking the general population, so to speak. That's never going to solve the problem. What do you think motivates that kind of reaction from them? Because they have to know that what they're doing doesn't stop gun violence. I think you're right. A lot of them are willing to admit that, you know, while we do this, it's not going to solve the problem, and they say so. But they don't care. They hate guns so much. They'd rather lock up the guns rather than lock up the criminals. And and that's just it's this obsession and unhinged hatred of guns, right? The, the bottom line is they don't want anyone to have guns, and at the end of the day, they want to get all guns off the streets. It's easiest to go after me and you and the people listening right now because we abide by the law. Yeah, obviously the gang members in Seattle aren't giving up their guns or their drugs or Shocking. anything else. Shocking, yeah. I mean, it's common <laughs> sense, but, but unfortunately, a lot of politicians lack common sense. Alan Gottlieb joining me on the line. He's the founder and executive vice president of the Second Amendment Foundation. We're talking about Mayor Bruce Harrell of Seattle. His plan is not really a plan. He says after any act of gun violence that he wants to get rid of the state preemption law. That's not going to happen. You know, it feels like the burden is on gun owners and gun activists or advocates to come up with some plan to go after gun violence, which I don't think is fair. We put forward ideas. None of them are especially innovative because we don't need anything innovative. We just need more cops to you know, be able to police and then throw bad guys in jail. Do you get the sense that more of an onus is being put on gun owners to, to go ahead and tackle this crisis? Yeah, I think it is. But, of course, these anti-gun politicians who you know basically like confiscation and prohibition of firearms don't listen to our recommendations anyway. Yeah. And, in fact, most times they're holding a hearing, they don't even invite us to attend. Yeah, they're not really interested. So at the end of the day, what should we be doing? Well, if you really want to solve the, the violent crime problem, I mean, roughly two-thirds of violent crime are committed by repeat offenders. Mm-hmm. Most of those repeat offenders are already out on parole or probation. In which case, you know, parole and probation officers, if we had them on the street, so to speak, are allowed to you know, inspect their houses and make sure they're not having any illegal firearm. Uh, but that just doesn't happen. So rather than, again, putting the time, effort, and resources to the few people that commit all the crimes, they don't, just don't do it. And hence, the problem doesn't get solved. Do you think we'll ever come to a point in this country where there will be reasonable discussion around gun ownership coming from the left? I've been engaged in defending gun rights for about 50 years. Yeah. It hasn't happened in the last 50, and I don't expect it to happen in the next 50. What, what do you think – what would it take to get us to that point? You'd have to be willing to, on the other side, say, okay, we're going to admit the Second Amendment gives you a right to keep and bear arms. We're going to say you have that right, uh, and we're going to try and find ways that we can commonly work together to support our police and, and support efforts to, to really fight violent crime and crack down on the people who are a threat to us. Yeah. Do you have any fears next legislative session that the state legislature will move forward with any specific anti-gun bills that you have in mind right now that they've been well, pushing course, perhaps in the past? Well, the big one is what Mayor Harrell's been pushing is to get rid of the preemption. Because but do you think that will happen? Is that realistic? It's very possible in our state. Uh, yeah. We, you know, we pretty much have a one-party system controlling all our, the whole government apparatus from the legislature to the governor's office. Uh, and there's an awful lot of Democrats in the legislature that like to do that for a number of reasons. One, not just hating guns, but this way they can say they didn't pass a, a law to ban your guns. They just let the little cities and counties do it.
Yeah, it's a way to just get out of any responsibility, even though the end result is clearly about banning guns. Yes. Oh, the wonderful world we live in. For folks who want to learn more about the Second Amendment Foundation, a great group that fights for Second Amendment rights, go to saf.org, saf.org. We've been talking with its founder and executive vice president, Alan Gottlieb. Alan, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Jason. Thank you. Absolutely. You're listening to The Jason Ranch Show. When we come back, it's time for a quick hit. The Jason Rant Show. Let's bring in our man in the Pacific Northwest, KTTH, Seattle Talk Radio host Jason Rantz. Great to have you with us to tell people a little bit more about this. Jason Rantz is in focus now. Jason Rantz, thank you for your reporting on that. The Quick Hit. Ooh, looks like there's some drama over at Jeopardy. Except, unfortunately, it's not about replacing Ken Jennings, who is a very mean-spirited and rotten person. Just seriously, just a bad guy all around. Fox News is reporting that Mayim uh, Mayim Bialik will not be on Celebrity Jeopardy in the upcoming season. Instead, they're giving it to Ken Jennings, the nasty person. He'll be taking over the hosting duties because Ken Jennings is not an actor. Mayim Bialik is, and... She is siding, obviously, with the writers in the writer's strike, which is still going on. And a big reason why a lot of the television shows you might love won't get a new season within the time period that you normally expect it to. Everything is getting pushed down. It's even having some impact on movies. There was a movie that was supposed to come out a couple of weeks ago, Gran Turismo, but the actor's couldn't do any of the press for the film during that portion of the debate where they were or debate of, of the uh, argument, the strike, because they were staying in or standing in solidarity with the writers. Again, this is a writer strike. It's not an actor strike, but they were doing it in solidarity. So they ended up pushing Gran Turismo to come out this weekend. Now, I, I suppose it's possible that they'll continue to push these movies back if you've got actors who are siding with the writers and don't want to be seen as crossing the picket line that remains to be seen but Bialik is saying no I'm not going to cross the picket line and this despite the fact that she is contractually supposed to be on that podium or be at that podium hosting celebrity Jeopardy now Fox says the news comes after former Jeopardy champion Jennings current co-host fired back at criticism for filming the upcoming season during the writer's strike. He responded to a disgruntled fan on X who chastised him for continuing to film the game show during the strike. And this Twitter user or X user said to him, you're a disgrace if you're trying to cross picket lines. Alex Trebek would never do anything of the sort. He would turn over his grave seeing you act like that. And so he responded by sharing, Ken Jennings responded by sharing a screenshot of a statement that the Jeopardy spokesperson had put out previously explaining how they're able to move forward with their production without its writers. And it said Jeopardy has a long standing or a long history with and tremendous respect for the Writers Guild of America and our writers. We have always been careful to honor our WGA agreement, uh, that's Writers Guild of America, and we would never air game material not created by WGA writers. 
that according to the statement. Jennings chose to highlight this section of the statement because he was basically implying that his decision is no different than what Alex Trebek would be doing in this case. He said, or the statement says that he highlighted, however, just as we did, led by Alex Trebek during the 2007-2008 strike, we will deliver first-run episodes again this fall to more than 200 affiliate stations nationwide. And so we're supposed to give him a pass because that's what Alex Trebek did. That's basically what they're saying. Our current plan is to go into a holding pattern of sorts, pushing back the season 39 postseason to first produce original episodes featuring the best of our WGA written material. Now, I, I'm assuming that's questions or the answers to the questions that the writers are producing. They don't just go on Google and look up random factoids and then pretend that they actually came up with the premise and the answers language itself is that I guess that's what it is. So I don't know what this means as far as actual fans. You know, it's so inside baseball whenever we're talking about any kind of strike in Hollywood. You know, people just don't know the nuances and intricacies of what it is folks are asking for. And and I can make that argument about any union strike where you have this general big picture understanding of what's going on, right? And with the writers, the general big picture understanding is they want not only more money from streaming successes with their material, but they want some kind of assurance protection against artificial intelligence. Because the AI technology, as it develops, as it gets better and better, it clearly poses a threat. If you can get the AI technology to be as best as it could be, you'd then say, write me a mystery surrounding the murder of a a business owner and all the suspects are his employees. And it turns out in the end, we want it to be the janitor who's responsible. And then all of a sudden it, you know, spits out a 90 page script that needs just maybe a little bit of touch-up, well, all of a sudden, you've got writers who are out of jobs outside of maybe editing a pre-written script. So I, I understand the concern. The issue is, however, we're nowhere near having that level of AI technology, that it should stop them from progressing in their conversations, in their you know negotiations over a contract. The, the reason why I say we might know some of the big pictures but not any of the nuances, do you think that those are the only two issues that are being discussed? And by the way, do you think it's that cut and dry from either side? The folks who are doing the negotiations, they're not leaking stuff that could hurt their cause. And oftentimes, especially when we're dealing with, say, uh, public you know employee unions where they're asking for just obscene amounts of money that might make them come off as greedy or would be way higher than anything the average person where they're on strike would make, which creates a little bit of resentment. Naturally, it creates that kind of resentment. And so outside of being in that room negotiating at the table with whomever it is you're negotiating with, in this case, we're talking about the various studios, you're not really in the know as to all of 
what's truly being discussed and debated and frankly whose side makes more sense i'm not a fan of striking i'm not a fan of unions using that level of power because it's cre- it clearly creates an imbalance where you've given all of this power to the unions and you've completely taken it away from whomever they are negotiating with now in the case of any of these studios keep something in mind in fact there was a, a story out I think a day or two ago I saw on Fox News, and it pointed out that both Mission Impossible Part 1, Dead Reckoning, I think it's called, and the latest Indiana Jones film just bombed, that they're not going to make their money back. These were both big-budget films, not only big-budget for the actual filmmaking, but the amount of money that they ended up putting into marketing. And I, I obviously I don't know what that is, but you can always add like $10 million to the marketing of these big films, if not more. And so you've got a movie that has a budget of a couple hundred million dollars that a studio is taking a risk on. And sometimes the risk is not as pronounced as others, but you never truly know what is going to hit with the audience, not in the way that at least you used to. Because if you asked me whether or not Mission Impossible would have been a hit, I would have told, yeah, of course, obviously. Tom Cruise is in it. That's a big name. The Mission Impossible series is great. But it's bombing. And so you have studios now saying, hey, we're putting up hundreds of millions of dollars with no guarantee of a return on that investment. And you're now asking for even more money, not just to write these scripts, but on the back end and when it gets to streaming, we might never be profitable on an individual film. And now you're asking for more on top of that, which makes us as just a business potentially untenable. People have changed their habits. They're not going to the movies as much, or at least they're not going to certain kinds of movies as much. Now, Indiana Jones, I'm glad that one bombed because it sucked. But my same exact point, you've got one side taking the risk to the benefit of the other side. And at the bare minimum, the writer gets, you know, a hundred grand for his or her script or whatever it is, regardless of whether or not the movie does well, they're guaranteed that money. And they didn't take any risk other than, you know, perhaps writing a script that is bad and they get a you know bad reputation, but they still get paid. You can't say that for the other side. And yet we've created the system that gives all of the power the leverage to the person who is guaranteed to make a profit off of their work. That just seems wrong. 1-800-465-8770 for your text messages. You're listening to The Jason Ranch Show.